0: Everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Dan Kurtzky. And this is the Lantern Cast, episode 523. Woohoo! Woohoo with me, Chad. Woohoo! Woohoo! We're, ne- we're never gonna escape that now. I don't know why. It be- I mean, I know why it became a thing, but I, I don't like. It's because of me, but I don't know why.
1: Did <laughs> we, have we to- latch onto that? <laughs> I think we may have to go cold turkey. <laughs> either that or either that or we make a solemn promise that once rick
2: flair dies then we never do it again
1: <laughs> well we, we do a memorial woo and then after that no more
2: <laughs> listen i don't know how you could possibly hold back the woohoos on a night like tonight when we have just just pure joy really to discuss indiana we'll,
1: jones no really. yeah. no no no. We
2: we mean something good Oh, you're right.
1: I'm sorry. Well, it oh, was be- well, it means. was better than Quantum Mania. Now I know that's a really crappy litmus
0: test, but <laughs> which I just finally saw. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so is chat. Oh man, no. I uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> if we have time, we'll go- we'll dive into Quantum Mania some other time. But like, what are we talking about tonight? Someone. <laughs> Spider Verse. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. But I guess they they changed it because they renamed the third one Beyond the Spider-Verse, so they dropped the Part 1 part.
2: Yeah, I don't know what the hell is wrong with people who are naming Spider-Man trilogies. Because between, this is like Across and Beyond and Next to the Spider-Verse and like, Under the Spider-Verse, like, this is almost as bad as like, Homecoming, No Way Home, Far From Home. Like, like at, at a certain point just put numbers behind the work this these things cuz like everybody is just going to call these each one of these movies spider verse when they're out mm-hmm. and then when they're all out I, I i promise you most people are just going to call them spider verse 1 2 and 3
1: i don't think this the actual live action ones i think that actually kind of became It could have been creatively um, what's the best way? It could, it could have really boxed them in, but I, I think they, they kind of made, they kind of made it work. But I do think, speaking of the title, they should have kept it part one and two, because even though most people knew this, this was supposed to be two parts. I, I can't tell, I can't tell you what the visceral reaction was when this movie ended, the way it ended in the theater. It's like, for people who should know that this was going, this was a two part thing. But I think because it wasn't called part one. I think it made it really easy for people to expect that you were going to at least have a kind of a natural ending to this part instead of a cliffhanger. And people are just, people were really not happy when we went to, when I went to go see this on the Saturday night that it was the first Saturday night it was open.
0: Yeah. I just saw it this past weekend. We were recording this. It's July 5th, but like, um, you know, between jobs and everything, I just didn't have enough money to go to the theater, but I saw that the theater just up the road was having like a $5 Tuesday type thing. So like, you know, after internet fees and all that crap, it's like $7 and change or whatever. So I snuck a couple of breakfast burritos in into my pocket and, <laughs> and, uh, and I saw a 10, 15 a.m. showing. <laughs> so no, it was, uh, it was, it was good. Like I was telling Mark, like, you know, I haven't been on the past few of these movie recap episodes just because again, the, the, you know, having the available cash to do so. Um, I was like, you know, if I'm, if, if I'm going to be regret not being on one, you know, movie recap episode. Which one's it going to be? It's probably this one, so I made sure to go see it. Um, and it was pretty good. I, hmm, I don't think I want to go into my issues with it just yet, but um, Spider Punk is awesome, as I knew he would be. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is this is not quite so much uh, I told you as the first movie was, but like, uh, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> I'm really I'm really glad that happened. I, I I'm really glad that he was. And, and you know I guess we're just we can just leap right into it because it's really with it with a with a movie like this it's really hard to like just what are we gonna do start from the very first scene and recap start to finish or what like so I'm just jumping in somewhere and I'm picking Hobie <clears throat> because I really um I really enjoyed his characterization. It was kind of hard to hear slash understand him a little bit. Yeah, um, they, there had was... th- they had that issue with
1: some, they, I think they corrected it on some prints, not all of them, but that is a criticism that was out there. I think when the movie first opened that, that okay, this, this, something with this, something with the sound mix and, and, or depending on certain screens or certain setups and uh, with audio and the way it was, I, I don't know if, I don't know. I don't know if it was, I don't think it was a Dolby thing, but there was, there was something I, I, that, that was something that, that was a complaint so if you if you had that that's probably was not it certainly wasn't anything that you were imagining or you were you were you were not in a you were not on an island let's put it that way yeah i was yeah, gonna it was, say
0: because i, I watch like you know I, I in the past several years i've gotten into like watching twitch streamers and stuff and there are a couple of guys from like london side and stuff so i'm i'm, I'm used to the cockney british slang type of stuff from some people's like you know it's, it's I, it's not that I don't understand him. It's just I. It was hard. It was like maybe his voice was too low. I was like I, I wasn't sure what was going on. What were you gonna say Dan?
2: Oh no, just that uh, it wasn't just his character. Like there have been people who had trouble hearing like Gwen during like the intro scene and all that stuff. So like there's just like something weird with the with the sound mix.
0: Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I like that. I like that uh, that Hobie was. Uh, An anarchist through and through, I like that he was basically encouraging Miles to revolt against all of this from the moment he met him. And
2: I I like how he saw a giant black hole open up in the middle of a city threatening all of existence and said, hey, look, it's a metaphor for capitalism. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, No, yeah, I just... uh, (laughs) I was reading a couple of different things uh, online about like some of the animation styles. And I don't know what any of this means, but like, I think it was like, f- like, you know, four frames per second or one frame per second or whatever. And I was told, or in this is me recalling, first of all, technical details that I'm not personally familiar with without having it in front of me. So I, this is clearly wrong, but like, you'll get the idea. Like apparently like his guitar was animated at like four frames per second his clothing was animated at like two and his, his uh suit was animated at like one or something like that. Like, like his, his actual body movements and stuff. So like that kind of helped, like the, the way they did his animation was very unique purposefully, which, you know, they do for a lot of characters and stuff, but they did it obviously specifically for him in a very unique way, which I thought was really cool. Um, and uh, I was watching one of the, those like, you know, things you missed in whatever movie type things on YouTube for spot cross spider verse. And someone was talking about like it very clearly, you know, because Hobie is the one that gives Gwen a, a a watch, quote unquote, a watch uh, so she can get back in, in to into the traveling. And it's it's they set that up because he was just stealing all those different parts through as they were walking through this uh, through the area, and you're like, man, this, I, even me, I didn't question. it. I was like, yeah, that's just that, that's Hobie being Hobie. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Uh, um, but uh, I thought that was really cool, and him telling Miles to use his palms, and then saying, "I quit and I'm out of here," uh, and uh, yeah, I just I had a great time uh, watching one of my favorite Spider characters come to life. I know he's a recent addition to the Spider mythos or whatever, but Hobie's a, a badass character. Uh, I really in and, and this is this is not me being a recent convert, like solidifying it just by watching this movie. I've been a spider punk fan since he was introduced, and he's a pretty badass character, and I'm really glad with how he was portrayed in this film.
2: Yeah, and like the like his animation style ended up looking almost like almost like you were watching like a flipbook animate, animated animated sketch drawn in like the liner notes of like, like you're a music sheet or something like, like he looked like a, like a fanzine come to life kind of thing.
0: No, someone described it as a punk rock poster come to life. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was.
2: Yeah. And it's so cool to see, like you would almost expect a character that required that much more work to do to be like a, a brief cameo, but he was in like half this movie. So it's, it's, like they, I can't overstate how much they swung for the fences with the animation in this in this movie. Like, I never imagined I would be able to sit here and say that they figured out how to visually outshine the first Spider Verse movie, but they did it.
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, I think that kind of brings me to my first, my main and slash potentially only criticism is um. This movie was too much in the best way, but it was also too much. Um, There were quite a few scenes where I lost track of the action uh, and what was happening. Uh, And there were quite a few scenes where like I was just it felt hard to keep up with. And it's not like, you know, hey, I'm trying to catch this Easter egg here and this is here. Hold on. Slow down. Let me see which Spider-Man is here, here and here in this background scene. Like I'm just trying to follow what's happening, and it went a little too bouncy and, and quick and and insane to me. Which I I kind of get. Like you're supposed there's you're supposed to feel kind of part of it in a way. Uh, and uh, you're especially in that chase scene. There's a whole there's madness to it. So there's lots of and and the idea that you're entering different universes with different animation styles. Miles is our POV character. So, of course, his perception of it it is all going to be like, uh, you know, a little overly stimulating and so on and so forth. But I felt like there may have been a way to do that and convey that without it feeling damn near like I was getting a strobe light flashed in my face uh, at certain points. Um, You know, I just thought that was it, it was it was intense at points is what I'm saying
2: you know it's funny when i first saw like when the first time we see the outside of miguel's world i remember thinking wow that's that's beautiful but it's kind of sparse and when we first see like the zigzagging upside down hallways of this i guess the spider society or whatever it's called i remember thinking oh that environment is kind of bare bones and plain but then after we characters start having to move around through it i realized like oh they needed these backgrounds to be a little light because they're going to have a thousand characters stampeding through them and it would be t- it would be incomprehensible if we had like like really detailed and fleshed out environments because like this is a weird it's a weird case where there's so many characters on screen all the time and it doesn't seem like any of the background characters aren't doing something specific you know like you could rewatch the same 10 seconds of footage 10 times and see like some visual storytelling going on with a dozen different spider people in the background each time
0: no, for sure. It's definitely going to be like one of those, like when, once you own it on home video, however you decide to own it, um, is it's going to be one of those ones you're going to want to pause a couple of times and check out a couple of scenes, rewind, stuff like that. Mark, what did you think of all that? All the kind of insanity, visually speaking? I think at some points
1: it was a little it might have been a bit much. It, 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 it didn't bother me overall. I'd like I mean, just in general, I'd like this better than the first movie. But I had a thumbs up. I mean, I had a head, uh, leg up, if you will. Finally got the right up. I had a leg up on this because I actually stayed awake for this one entirely, which was, gave me an advantage over the first one when I fell asleep somewhere, somewhere after around the time Peter, the first Peter died. I forget how long it was out, but it was, but this, that part, that part really, yeah, once they got to like the, you know, like the, ugh, the whole of the, the whole of spiders. That was it. There were some cool things in there that we know it was very gimmicky. That was kind of the thing Let's get
2: Spider Cat and T Rex Spider Man and Spider Rex. I'm sorry, you. we can't leave out the, the Spider Man from, I guess, a world of living cars. Peter Parked Car.
0: Yeah, the Spider Muggy.
2: That is a ama- like I mean I I have only ever encountered the Spider-Bucky as a literal vehicle Spider-Man drives. I've never seen a sentient one.
0: You're missing out. <laughs> like,
2: apparently You've never read I the original did. Spider-Verse stuff? I no, I haven't actually. I know. Mm. I've never oh. read I don't think I've ever read a comic
0: with Miles in it. Now, the original Spider-Verse stuff is great, which if anybody out there likes <laughs> the movies and wants to like get the comics to get to the original like idea for this. It's not the same thing. Like I I know like that kind of goes without saying these days with comic book movies and their source material, it's kind of sparsely pulled from as opposed to one-to-one adaptation. But this is just, it's straight up, not the same thing. It's it's yes, Spider-Man from across the multiverse, but the, the unifying event is what's the vampire family or whatever in Spider-Man lore. Morlin. Yeah, Morlin and his family are after spider totems to kind of, uh, you know, increase their own power. So they're navigating through the web of reality to kill Spider-Man across the multiverse. And by, you know, draining them, they're not just draining their blood. They're they're these spider people in their respective universes are essential, essentially totems um for you know uh, spider totems so there's a there's a mystical magical sort of thing i guess connected to their soul or their life essence and Moreland and his family are getting stronger each time they do this um so that's very clearly not the same thing that's happening in this film but i guess that brings me then to this idea of the canon event <laughs> And this is not new, obviously. What would I already forgot? What do we call it in Doctor Who? Oh, um, Fixed point or something like what? I don't know what they call it. Something like that. A fixed point in time. Yeah. Like, like you can't go back to the war of the time lords and and the Daleks because that's that that's a fixed point that cannot be changed. Um, Stuff like that. Um, And it's not it's not a new idea in time travel. It is weird, though. It felt weird. That so many, especially Spider-Man of all characters, that so many of these Spider-Man, so many of these Peter Parker or variants of Peter Parker believe this so hard they're willing to fight Miles on it. Like this is these are this isn't just like a couple of people in the spider society, as you described it, Dan, like thousands of people are in this kind of hall of spiders and they are just like ants swarming each other over each other to get to the front of the line or whatever, just this massive at the point where they're climbing up that vertical train or whatever. They are literally on top of each other trying to get to miles. And he empties this whole place, this mound of spider people. And that many people are okay with this idea that he shouldn't even try to save people.
1: It's also what the event is. Yeah. I mean, because in a way, if you were going to go with the lore, that if it was the Uncle Ben event, that uh, that alone, that that you could make the case because of of how everything would be different for the you know for or the equivalent thereof of Uncle Ben, which is kind of what in the way they it's it's like they want to have their cake and eat it too, because with some characters this is more like an Uncle Ben moment, uh like for Miles it would be more like a, of an Uncle Ben moment, but for but the idea that the, the equivalent of Captain Stacy dying in all these universes is, is, is like the nexus point that you just can't – that has to happen and you can't change it because basically like the fabric of time will somehow fall apart.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> if you, if, well, it's it's not the nexus point. It's one of –
0: Right, many. I know, but I'm like, saying it's
1: yeah. – yeah. But but it's the one they, they really zero in on in this movie that –
0: Right, and, because, of,
1: yeah, Miles and, is yeah, dead. Yeah, yeah but – in And, you know, the the Captain Stacy death was important in the comic books, but it wasn't, you know, wasn't as important as Gwen Stacy died. (laughs) It just it was it was it was more shocking just because of the fact that number one, that he knew who Peter was and the fact that that's yet that's yet another thing. Peter got blamed that Spider-Man got blamed for, which just complicated Peter's relationship with Gwen.
0: So, yeah, I think some of the other canon events were the bite itself. Uncle Ben's death, obviously, you mentioned Captain Stacy dying, obviously. Gwen dying is some for some of them. Uh, Meeting Mary Jane, I think, is one of them. And uh, the symbiote, you know, the symbiote and an an event with a spider meeting a symbiote is one of them as well, I think.
2: I think the reason why so many spider people would get on board with what Miguel is is, uh, telling them about, like the the inevitability of these events and we have to they have to play out they just do is because they've all had to live through it already you know if you nothing will ever make those kinds of losses better but if you can believe that there was nothing that could have been done it had to happen it was always going to happen that at least makes it a little more bearable. Or you, it makes it so that you can tell yourself that this didn't happen because of you. And all of these spider people see one spider person trying to reject that. And on one level, it's like, okay, well, we gotta, we gotta straighten this kid out because he's, this isn't good for him or anybody else. But also, it's kind of, it's kind of a thing where Miles can't be right because if he is then what does that mean for the the tragedy experience for all all of these other spider-men and i think a big deal in the third movie is going to be the realization that everything they believe about canon events is wrong because i mean the the big example we get to prop up what Miguel is saying in this movie is when is when a uh, Spider-Man India's world is instantly starting to unravel after Miles saves his Captain Stacy equivalent. But as you, as you, you just said, Chad, the spider bite in general is on that list of a canon event and Miles being Spider-Man at all Only happened because the he essentially took the canon spider bite from a universe that was supposed to have a Spider-Man but now doesn't. And that universe, as we see in the end of the movie, is very much still there. So
0: yeah, I think I think too. And this is my own stupidity because it's right there in front of you. I don't think I figured out that the spider was from another universe too until this movie because which is dumb because the spider literally glitches like everything else from another universe so
2: yeah it's it's honestly it's something i didn't think about either cuz like in yeah. a movie full of like stuff glitching and things turning into Banksy's, it's like it's it uh it just it was just one more weird thing
0: yeah no 100% i just um i think my problem with the can end event yes i agree there's some inconsistency there so there's something up with that Um, it's just, I think, look, like, I kind of, I kind of see it, but I also see, like, maybe, like, kind of uh, a middle ground between the two where there's, there's rules to it in a way. Like, you can't, you know, in other words, Miles or, 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 I'm sorry, Miguel can't look at an event coming up for a super a specific spider, knowing it's about to happen. And he from another universe jumps in to intentionally take action and change that event and interfere. Um, I think everything, I think everything is okay with the native Spidey, uh, the native Peter or whatever of that universe, even if they know it's coming, making every effort to try and change it because they're not interfering. They're part of that timeline. And they're a hero doing everything they can. I also think there's nothing wrong necessarily. Uh, I'm wondering if like maybe the explanation for the canon and events is like purposeful changes as opposed to fate or accident or whatever. Because Miles showing up in in you know Spider India's uh, universe was it was on purpose, but not in the way that he's showing up on purpose to go to another universe to to screw with the timeline or whatever and neither was the spider jumping across into miles's universe uh to bite him that wasn't on purpose you know the spider didn't <laughs> make that decision kingpin sure as hell didn't make that decision so like i'm i'm i just i just wonder if like uh, i also worry about this weird change in uh in spidey 2099 i just this, this villainous the dude is Furious with damn near villain level, threatening faces, intent, you know, the you know, the artistic cues are just as important in this, especially this animation style and stuff like that. He's always got this dark, intense red or blackness behind him, and he's scary. He's all he's got the claws, even even freaking Miles points out to it. He points out his claws and says something about, like, are you even a Spider-Man or something like that? Well, we um, also
2: saw. We also um, <laughs> almost bite the vulture like a vampire, and also inject some kind of goo into his own shoulder.
0: Yeah, that's true too. So, uh, yeah, um, this, something is definitely up with with him. So um, he's driven. He's driven by guilt,
1: based on what he did too. That's that's a huge factor. And then based on the, what we're sure. doing, what we're given in this movie is that he he made the mistake of basically. Thinking you could screw around with another universe and another an, uh, al- another timeline slash alternate universe and there'd be no repercussions and he found and he got found out firsthand that nope can't do that because that's the because the incursion thing happens and he ended up screwing everything up and destroying everything so he feels he feels guilty about that and then having you know basically lost people close to him again and causing all that destruction and so he he kind of basically he sees himself as He's like the guardians of the universe. There, he sees himself and what he's doing as that he's he's looking at the big picture, even if a lot of other people don't, and they may not understand the motives and even the methods. But he he's fully convinced that what he's doing is right and for the right reasons. So he's he's a little there's a little parallaxian aspect to, to him too. But but he 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 seems to at least based on what we know at this point, he's he's doing it for what he thinks is right, and he's not doing it for any malicious, consciously, or malicious intent or reason, I don't think.
2: I do think that he's misreading the situation based on what he lost, though. Because I saw a video the other day, I believe it was film theory, that puts puts forth the idea that canon events have nothing to do with any of this. And what the... Problem is our incursions because like what happened through throughout the MCU like Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness which this movie is in continuity with because yeah. of all like the yeah the the blatant callouts they do to the Ramy and all the other Spider live action Spider Man movies and calling out Doctor Strange and Earth nineteen nine 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 whatever which is the official designation of the MCU Earth um
0: well it's also it's well it's uh, also in canon with quantum mania and and loki because they use the same multiversal like the the white tree that branches off like they're doing the same thing it's very clearly the same thing
2: and but the way incursions work in doctor strange is hey if if people cross over into universes where they're not supposed to be and they mess it up enough that'll cause the universes to kind of crash into each other and break down and just you being here is a big enough threat. You, we gotta get rid of you. And what happened to Spider Man India's world? Well, it started to to be enveloped in darkness. Why did it happen? Well, it just it it just happened to start after Miles and Gwen and spider punk and the spot all show up in that universe and almost level a city block. That's a pretty big footprint. (laughs) And so like, I, I believe it makes a lot of sense to me that the thing that is actually causing all of this trouble is too much multiversal travel, which means that everything Miguel is trying to do to solve the problem, gathering all of the Spider-Men in the multiverse into one spot and sending them all over creation so universes they don't belong in, is just exacerbating the whole thing. But because this is his way of coping with what he's lost, he won't hear any argument against
0: it. The, the The thing about that, though is it just kind of makes me think of kind of the the other time travel every time every time we get a time travel or a multiversal type story because the two are kind of one in the same we're talking space time ultimately um you have to compare like the types of time travel stories the types of multiverse stories and you know the the physics of time travel in say bill and ted's excellent adventure versus the physics of time travel in hot tub time machine uh or or you know any other time travel movie you can think of terminator is a good one because there's there's a very specific type of time travel that's happening there inevitably since time travel is actual physics theory uh as well as multiverse the multiversal theory um there uh, there are a lot of debates on it that eventually also find their way into science fiction storytelling in the way it's portrayed in films and you have like the time travel theory, the multiversal theory in terms of impacting another universe or, or an alternate time or something like that. Well, the butterfly effect, you know, you go back and you step on the wrong thing and that could be big enough to set off into a whole nother branch of, of, of time. Uh, you go back to like Avengers Endgame and stuff like that. And there's the idea like, Oh, you can go in and you can really fuck with stuff and, and things, but you gotta, you have to, Go back and set the timeline straight right where you screwed it up. Um, and then there's kind of what Dan's all, talking.
1: Yeah, about. but all you would all you would do in the end game, the quantum physics view of time travel, is you just you just create an alternate timeline. You can't change your own past. You just you just change you just set the, the, a different reality in place now for for from that nexus point going forward. Yeah. Uh,
0: so time travel wise, and this this is, can also be applied to Dan what Dan's talking about in terms of you know there there are different types of foot footprints and that's what could lead to these incursions the same thing is applied to time travel theory and one of the time travel theories sometimes you can go and skip rocks and the the way the rock skips oh sorry and the way the rock skips across the water it's making little little taps onto the surface of the water and the ripples that happen just kind of fizzle out Whereas an event like Dan's talking about where you, you destroy half the damn city is equivalent to taking a big ass boulder and dropping it into the pond and and seeing the effects there. Both effectively disturbing the water, but in a very different way. Um there are there are ripples to skipping the stone, but the ripples fade. Um, whereas obviously dropping a boulder in there is a much more violent act and, and, and disturbs everything around it. So I would think that, I would think that, I think that's kind of what you're talking about, Dan, is the, the skipping stones versus throwing a boulder in the water theory for time travel, but just applied to multiversal leapfrogging.
2: Kinda. I mean, like, like we had an entire Spider Verse movie where like five alternate Spider people came to Miles' house, and nothing bad happened to that reality because they pretty much just kept a low profile unless something attacked them. And even the the biggest, most significant thing that happened when they were there, the the collider and like the explosion explosion of shutting it down that wasn't even done by them. So like it's, and, and I think what we find out in this movie that like, yeah, Gwen has been crashing in, in a uh, spider punks universe when, since she didn't want to go home and deal with her dad, like multiverse travel can be done safely. If the people doing it are considerate of, of uh, not being too disruptive. But once you have once you start mobilizing your task force of of Spider-Men to to go out and do all this stuff in mass, then you're asking for trouble. Especially if they're tracking down villains who are also in the wrong universe that are that are throwing like Leonardo da Vinci grenades at people. Like that that vulture in the beginning of this movie was so cool. He was like he was a living sketchbook.
0: I love it. Yeah, that was cool. But it was also that see, that's also pointing out what I was talking about when I'm saying like the animation style at some points got to be too much. It was hard to even keep track of vultures face at times within his, his whole body because of the way he was displayed. Like my eyes were getting lost. Uh, Like again, it's a minor quibble in a otherwise great movie. I feel, but like there, that would, that specifically was definitely one of the points where I was like, this is, this is too much. What is happening right now?
2: <laughs> yeah. is an, is an incredibly visually dense movie. It does. It doesn't help that that fight took place in like a modern art museum where, where nothing is a conventional shape or color. And, uh, and like, we're seeing, we're seeing it from the perspective of people flying upside down and doing acrobatics. Uh, then this is this is a movie where I'm getting it on Blu-ray, and the first time I watch it is going to take me like eight hours because I'm going to be pausing and rewinding every ten seconds.
0: No, it's for sure. I, you know what? Since we're talking about art styles, let's talk about something that confused me in the first opening few scenes in the movie, but by the end of the movie, I loved Spider Gwen's universe, especially when things get real and emotional. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, everything getting washed out to just color. Um, that was, I, I was so, I was, uh, it wasn't because it's washed out. Obviously it's not too intense or whatever, but I was, I was, it took me a minute to get used to, but once I realized what they were doing with it and when they were doing it, I was like, Oh, okay. This is the, 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 the visuals in this movie as, as it should like, look, movies are a visual medium like it it has to be part of the story i love that the the literal art of this movie tells as much of the story of the movie as the script does
2: yeah like her world is this this neon watercolor painting and and like i like again this is something that i didn't key into until like almost the very last minute where like what like this whole you know, her dad is the police captain. He has been, he's had this manhunt on for Spider Woman, who he believes is a, ki- a murderer. Circumstances force her to reveal her identity to her dad. They're on the outs. And when they eventually have, they, they like, they reconcile, the, the, all, the world around them be just turns white as if, like, as if like, just like I, I can't even think of the words, like as it like like this weight has been lifted from both of them, and now it's just like this pure moment. And like that made me realize like, wow, this has probably been changing like this proportionally in the other direction this whole movie. And I just didn't notice it the first
0: time, yeah, there's that there's that um, so she comes home from band practice in the beginning of the movie, and there's a. Uh, scene she goes into her room she's very you know teenage angst she's not her she her back is to him um the entire room is in this sort of black purple blue you know depressed sort of ink uh and then there's a very kind of there's lighter colors around her father as he's entering the room but it's very close that that sort of aura is very close around him uh, and there's that moment where she turns around and goes to him and hugs him real tightly, like kind of unexpectedly. Uh, and this, this sudden bubble of around him gets bigger and turns orange and red and kind of starts radiating out a little bit. Uh, and just the, the whole scene starts turning warm for a moment before she obviously leaves the situation. So like, I thought that was really cool. Um, uh, the way they they told story just with the color because spider-gwens universe is a very colorful and like i I've, I've been reading a lot of this stu- the spider-verse stuff since it first came out uh and uh speaking of being comic book accurate yes peter dying her being uh, held responsible for it her father chasing her down like that's that's all quote unquote canon <laughs> so yep. uh that's uh that was pretty cool to see done and i love Spider-Man. Spider-Gwen's universe and the way it's shown visually, uh, specifically her city, the colors that are used and stuff, um, there's a theory out there. And, it, and look, I, I 100% agree. It, it just it holds true for me because it, uh, it, just look at my comic book collection. There's theories out there about variant covers and stuff like that or, or covers and what gets people to buy a comic book all the time. And some people are like, if there's a gorilla on it or if there's dinosaurs or whatever. A mo- more modern one of those is... If you do the whole mixing of pinks, blues and purples, that really catches people's attention. And it's true of me. (laughs) A lot of the variant covers I get, I get because I'm really drawn to the art. And it's usually pinks, blues and purples. Spider-Gwen's universe is that. And I like that they still because I saw it because you saw it very briefly in the first movie when we get introduced to her. But I love that we got to spend so much time there to see just the universe existing in that color palette. But I do like that it's not just the blues, the pinks, and the purples. There's that the warm auras, and they're they're playing with it to play with the emotion of the scene, and I thought that was so cool.
2: Yeah, it, it creates this opportunity to to show how having these meaningful emotional moments literally change her world in in a physical way, as in addition to an emotional way. And I just I love the fact. That the first like 10-15 minutes of this movie is just a Spider Gwen movie. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would. I like that, and I was
1: also surprised that you can make a strong case that she, if she wasn't the lead in this movie, she was the co lead
2: in this movie. So yeah, well, I
0: thought,
2: yeah, I was just gonna say like like her her core conflict in this movie is kind of the, like the guiding thread through to the end because like. She starts out learning, like like deal like what she starts out having to deal with with her dad informs like get, how she feels about what Miguel is doing. It it uh it uh affects her relationship with Miles. It pushes her to push Miles in a particular direction. And the big kind of the like the the turning point lesson is learned by her, and she's the one that rallies the troops to go into part three. So like, like miles is the main character of this trilogy, but the storyline that had the, the biggest impact to everything in this movie was Gwen's. Yeah.
1: I would say, yeah, I, I would agree with that. So that, I think that that surprised me a little, but again, I'm, I'm probably would be more drawn to Gwen naturally anyway. So I guess that would make sense that that would, I thought that was just, I thought that was a step in the, in the right direction just like even when we get when, even when we get to the when we get to the end and we kind of get the you know the uh, the aha that when we're expecting what his miles uncle to be the prowler in this universe and of course no it's miles himself who is the prowler in in this universe but they handle I think they handle that well that they 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 play they they made you it wasn't so blatantly obvious the right from the moment he got there that hey he's in the wrong universe
2: I didn't realize it until his mom said, who's Spider-Man? Yeah, I think the hair
1: comment too a little bit, but I, but, I yeah. but you're but you're right. That that was like then then you kind of then you realize and then and then you kind of and then I guess they kind of opened the door because of the fact that it would in a way it would have been too obvious that his uncle would be the prowler in this in this universe. And then you get the big surprise that, oh, that he's actually the he's actually the brains of the outfit in this universe.
2: I love the fact that he's being made to directly confront a universe that is demonstrably worse because he was the one that got bit by that universe's spider.
0: That's true. You know, speaking real quick to go back to the Gwen thing, um, I saw this theory and I agree with it because I was they were showing some of the scene. I don't know how these, these YouTube channels get all these scenes from the movie or whatever, but uh, and, and are okay to use it in their recap and stuff while the movie's the, still in theaters, but whatever. They were showing, they were telling that I think the idea is this movie, like Gwen's intro and outro of this film is essentially the the movie and how it's told is the pitch to get these other spiders on our team. Because like sh- the way she's talking in the introductions, his name is Miles Morales, you know, uh, you, I think, you know, the rest, like she's, she's, you know, we played with that in the first mm-hmm. film, um. A little bit, you know, it was like they were talking to the audience, but I don't think Gwen's talking to the audience based on this this theory that I heard. It's, she's talking to um, whoever she needs to talk to to recruit the team that she has at the end of this movie. Because at the end of this movie, she's she essentially goes like she ends the story, essentially ends it, quote unquote, and says, you win. Uh, yes. So I I think because. And it's not just that the way they visually show, you know, quote unquote evidence for their theory is the introduction sequence of this film when she's playing the drums is not just flashbacks to recap what happened in the previous movie, but also flash forwards to what's going to be happening in this movie. So she's telling the story. And the story that we get is the movie we're watching.
2: Okay, I like that.
0: Yeah, it's her pitch to the people that she's recruiting for her team.
2: I love the fact that even if nobody picks up on that or if it's not even real or whatever, but like just looking at who's on her team, I have no problem believing that all of them would have said yes anyway. Like it's everybody from the first movie plus Spider Punk plus uh, Spider Bite, which is the the cool looking purple tech one that already made the choice to to let Miles go, and uh, Spider Man India who went on the whole who like owes him big time for saving saving uh both those people like it's a, it's such a cool group uh, yeah a manless Stenberg is Spider Bite
1: <laughs> I don't like how they treated Peter in this movie I don't I I don't I don't I just don't like it what. Because he's a schlub. He's, he's like, the, he's like the, somebody who can't do anything right all the time. Did you see him in the last movie? <laughs> I know, but it doesn't matter because it matters because at the end of the day, with all this Spider-Verse stuff pushed aside, Peter Parker is really the one true Spider-Man. So shitting on him is not a good thing. And you're right. But I, I did not like the way they – and even the stuff that supposedly is a positive – like, uh, hey, I couldn't have tr- I couldn't have been such a bad mentor because he's beating, he's kicking all your asses. It's like that's still not, I I don't know I don't like it I don't I don't think that endears itself to people who are more Peter Parker people. And, I uh, that-
2: I mean I I don't really see any difference between how he was used in this movie and how he was used in the last movie. Like, if anything, he has his ship more together now, and he's kind of happier, and I and the mo- the moment he has alone with Miles where he tells him like look you are what gave me confidence to even think that having a kid would be a good idea if they could turn out like you then maybe it will be worth it like they like he has like some really touching moments and like he was definitely not centered as much as he was last time just because of the sheer volume of characters this time around but uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> the big, the biggest difference I see in Peter this time is he's wearing a robe and slippers and carrying a baby. I was gonna which, say, yeah, which that... hey, Mayday, she's here, she's real. Suck That's... it, Marvel. But that
1: doesn't, but that doesn't bode well. It doesn't. It's not a good reflection on his responsibility either, because he's taking the kid into places that he should never be taking the kid. I know what you're saying. Uh, you can make a case that. He has shown more growth, but that but that also go back, goes back to the first movie. If you if you like that portrayal of Peter Parker anyway,
2: but. And what they did with Ben Riley in this movie was really odd. <laughs> that was so funny. Like I am Ben Riley as Scarlet Spider is one of my favorite characters and favorite superhero costumes. And like, I don't remember him being that like. Overly edgy, but I am hap- no, I am happy wasn't. with the I am happy with the joke. <laughs> it's like he, he, it was the nineties. Like there was definitely edge to it. He's like, but yeah, but they make him talk like he's Batman for God's sake. <laughs> I've got you in my well de- well developed bicep. Yeah,
1: he wasn't. That's not. I don't. Re- I don't remember Ben Riley being quite like that. I mean, he's
2: he's more of a, he's more of an, an avatar of his era than anything no. else in this movie, and it's just I'm. I'm fine, but it was good that he got. The positive is it was good that he got he got the, a,
1: a focal point of the story, which I guess is easier to do now because even though they were kind of bastardized the character in, the in Chasm or whatever, it, but they kind of bastardized him in the comic books now. But after they brought him back, but but at least the idea that seeing Ben Riley on screen is something you probably would never have thought like six years ago. There was a snowball's chance in hell for multiple reasons because it, because of the Clone Saga. So I, I I'm I I can appreciate them doing it and overlook the odd characterization of Ben Riley in that aspect, just because it, it it is it is kind of funny.
2: Sorry, I can't. I'm busy thinking about my tragic backstory.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like that would make him unique,
2: right? That's the irony of <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> well, like all the, Spider people have that. Well, it's like the therapy session that we that Miles crashes through. It's like he's like, let me guess, your Uncle Ben died. <laughs>
0: You know what it hit me weird? Like I get it. I just think it was like a maybe like a joke that didn't land. Peter's weird obsession with <laughs> with having Miles hold Mayday. <laughs> that was that was kind of weird. Miles Miles is having this really intense moment, and Peter's just like just just hold her, hold her. It's like like it like he'll suddenly see his point of view if he just holds the baby. Um, I think I, it was meant meant to be like you know. He's a father, and he thinks Mayday's the greatest thing in the world, and he's just trying to share her with him and stuff. But like, uh, that didn't in a in a in a in a scene that was supposed to be like you know quote unquote serious. Uh, that was just such a weird inject a strange injection of an attempted at humor. I was like, what? <laughs> well, he he is all in on being a dad. He loves yeah. the hell. Like this is an
2: extension of that joke when he first showed up and. He's he in, insists on showing Miles and Gwen albums of photos of Mayday, even though I think Gwen's like oh, I mean I mean she's she's right here I can just look at it. oh those are nice yes uh oh yeah uh huh great uh it's, it's 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 the it's the old like the old sitcom wallet joke of like oh let me show you a picture of the new baby and like it just unfolds and keeps going you know <laughs> yep, yeah like the like the I Love Lucy episode where everybody's trying to get ready. Get, getting
1: their wallet ready to compete with their with their name with their friends. It's like we gotta we gotta beat them to it if they start bringing it up again.
2: <laughs> hold, hold this this avatar of joy and goodness, and you will see everything is fine.
0: There was something because you know I'm on social media a lot, and there was something that was circulating. Um, I I'm, I'm amazed I was kind of spoiler free about this. Obviously, this is technically a big spoiler, but uh something I only I don't think I would have caught um without this meme that was going around online. It was just basically basically the scene from the first movie when that universe is Peter encounters Miles and they're doing their Spidey Sense thing and he's like hey, I'm rec- they're recognizing each other. Mm-hmm. But Peter's background is blue and red, and Miles is green and purple until it switches to red and and blue. Like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. The incompatible sense that suddenly switches and matches up, and I love, I love that because it it it's very clearly a choice. It's like. He, they literally changed his future he was he was vibrating that that purple and and green because he was supposed to be the, the prowler but he is in that moment taken off of his destiny and moved on to another
2: yeah I, that's that's such a good catch i wonder how much of this they knew when they were making the first movie
0: i don't know this uh, a project like this has to take i mean and we've heard stories already about the the amount of time the animators were forced to work or whatever yeah, which yeah. In an era where we're talking about people are being overworked and underpaid or whatever and, and you know, page rates for comics and like all of this stuff, I'm definitely on the side of the, the, the workers and stuff like that and, and getting their dues. But from what I heard, this the problem with the animation stuff was just the long hours, the the insane amount of hours that they were working. I haven't heard anything about these animators being underpaid or no or anything like that so it's it's hard like it's it's Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to make that moral distinction i guess when you're considering this type of stuff uh you know because if they were paid for their work and their work is notoriously a very high demand type job where they're you know going in there's going to be a lot of hours there's going to be a lot of late nights and stuff like that Does that mean the industry needs to change? Probably. Yes, yes, it does. That's something we can talk about. But in the meantime, this is the reality. And as long as people aren't, you know, being worked to death and their health and safety isn't, isn't prioritized at all and they're underpaid, like those are horrible working conditions and stuff like that. But if you're being paid for your hourly rate and everything there's a, there's a difference there between those two things. And I I thought that was interesting, but the, the, the work, the the results are there because the amount of work that had to have gone in this move into this movie and very clearly had to go into the previous movie to make it what it was. There's no way you spend this cell of animation on something that is either a an Easter egg and a joke or B matters. And you don't make a choice, especially as we've seen in this movie, you don't make a choice into in a Spider-Verse movie about color like that without it meaning something.
2: (laughs) I wonder if part of the problem with the workload is the fact that, like, I mean, when I looked up yesterday, apparently the third movie is supposed to come out next year, which means they had to have been working on both of these concurrently. Like, I
0: think I think they did it Lord of the Rings style.
2: Yeah, like I'm sure the 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 next movie isn't completely done yet, but like but like they didn't just they basically made two movies in the time when they probably should have just made one. And you know, I'm it makes me very happy to know that everybody was paid fairly for their time, and I obviously am thrilled with the end result. Uh that that that, that that doesn't mean they should be working to the point that it becomes a problem. Like, like yeah. crunch is bad. There yeah. is no universe in which crunch is good.
0: Hmm. No, you know, I, thinking about the animation, I heard a story that the, the Lego scene wasn't even in the movie until the trailer thing. <laughs> like they, they saw that 14 year old kid do the, the Lego trailer version of the film or whatever. Uh, the the, the they Lego fied the trailer in their own yeah. way it was done by a 14 year old kid and the because I thought I saw them do talking about it on the press junket for this movie they hired the kid who did the trailer to do the scene <laughs> the, the Lego stuff for this film and put it in the film oh my god that's a for that's that's done by I, I'm sure other people were maybe involved in that to you know ready it for the movie but they basically hired a 14 year old kid to put that in there. Jesus. I mean that's
2: cool. That sounds yeah. like a legal minefield, but okay, cool. Yeah. But something that. that I I I think I'm remembering this right. A, a Spider-Man variant that they wanted to include but couldn't figure out how to make it work right was supposed to be a Spider-Man action figure yes. being manipulated by like real person, like, hands reaching in from off screen. And it was just, like, I don't know why, just something about it they couldn't get to, they couldn't get to a place where they were happy with it. Yep, that is true.
0: <laughs> that would have been funny. Mark, did you ever watch Community? No. Dan? No. Oh, man. <laughs> There's an entire episode in one of the later seasons of Community that is, uh, Jeff is basically he's hospitalized and he's having this hallucinogenic type daydream but the entire thing is that him and his friends animated into a gi joe uh cartoon <laughs> because he's struggling with with uh, middle age or whatever and he's flashing back to his childhood or something and and, and there's layers to his dream because the first layer is is him being in the cartoon, and then as he gets closer to re- coming back to reality, he goes from the cartoon universe to being in a toy commercial <laughs> instead. And he is the toy being manipulated by kids, and he's trying to break free. <laughs> um, so that's, that's funny. Perfect, <laughs> uh, you know, something everybody out there should watch. Community, it's a great show, <laughs> you know.
2: What I every time I rewatch the first Spider-Verse movie, which I do fairly often, uh, you know, it gets to the point where Miles takes his leap of faith and they have that one moment where it's up. The shot is upside down. So instead of
0: danger.
2: Yeah. And instead of, so instead of falling, it looks like he's rising and Mm. the city is kind of coming down to meet him. And it's such a beautiful shot. And the, The only thing wrong with that shot is the fact that it lasts, like, two seconds. So I was so happy in this movie where there's an entire scene of Miles and Gwen just sitting on a building having a conversation, but because they're spider people, they just, like, walk around to the bottom of a ledge and sit down on it. Like they were sitting right side up and for the, and then the camera flips and for the duration of that conversation, we see them from a right side up perspective, but this, they are surrounded by a cityscape come that is upside down, hanging from the sky with the sky below them. And it is a, it is such a cool visual that is so, it like it's it's such a simple idea, big like based on like who these characters are and what they can do. But it's it's just such a uh, it it takes something as mundane as two characters sitting in a chair talking to each other for five minutes, and it makes it this supremely visually interesting, beautiful moment.
0: No, one hundred percent. I think. I think too one of my other pro kind of critiques about this movie is and I again mild critique because let's face it, the plot line is serious. So it's not like the first plot line wasn't serious, but it, it, it this is serious error, I guess. <laughs> um there this one was less funny, despite all, so some of the jokes were like okay cool that was kind of really easy the the capitalism joke and some of the stuff that happens the pointing like a lot of that's just kind of easy easy laughs and stuff like that but it did make some of some of the moments of comedy feel off in this or like they weren't supposed to be there um it's don't even, it's an action movie. It's going to, it's supposed to, you know, the way Marvel uh, does things, it's action with comedy, action with comedy everywhere. It's just to what degree, I guess. But something did feel a little bit disjointed with a moment. Some of the moments of comedy in this film versus the previous film. Just against the, the plot and the seriousness of the situation and all that.
2: Yeah, I think that's, that's it. Like it comes down to the fact that the first movie was, a a uh, slightly weirder superhero origin story and this one is is dealing with things that are much much darker and you know you you reflexively started quoting what's up danger before when I mentioned that scene and something that stood out to me was the fact that the soundtrack of this movie has a lot less personality. Like, I, I honestly don't remember any of the music from this sequel, and I think I think there was... A, like, they did lean more into, like, orchestral stuff, which, like, there's some good stuff in there. Like, uh, somebody, somebody on Twitter did a breakdown of, like, you know, if you isolate this one guitar riff that plays every time Gwen's theme comes up, and you you play that guitar riff in a different tempo or whatever it's it's just the classic 60s spider man cartoon theme song so Mm -hmm. gwen's theme is a a different version of the old school spider man theme song but like beyond like little things like that like like i don't know like it's it feels like this is you know, this is in a lot of ways, this is the movie where Miles has started to grow up. He has started to come into his own. He's just trying to get over the last hurdles of, of having a well rounded life as best he can. And he's being confronted by like the, uh, the supposed fact that that is impossible for him. And as a result, we get a movie where the score is more serious and more conventional to action movies. And the humor feels increasingly like a coping mechanism from these, these traumatized people who are trying their best to deal with it.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting too, that like, you know, the first movie he gets these powers and he's freaking out and he doesn't want them or or he, he doesn't know what to do with them and doesn't feel like he's worthy of them. And, you know, you see this kid get granted all these powers, doesn't want them, never wanted them. But then they, you know, they backfire. He feels like he's a failure. And then he has this really, like, intense moment. You mentioned it, um, you know, and it's this affirming moment. And it was done so well in that first movie because it wasn't just the music and the animation, but they – though i I always circle back to which i love that they continue to hear the whole comic book origin slap the comic book down and be like we just told you the origin god i love that move that that thing um and when they when they do it for miles's story in that first movie it's like it it was like the perfect period to that sentence like yes he's here uh and let's see him go into action so you had this really critical I'm a hero, I'm owning this, uh, this is the, this is who I was always meant to be, he's embracing it, it's allowing it to define him, and then he comes across like, no, I, I can't save this person, oh, not only that, you were an accident, the fact that you're even a hero, everything that you have embraced and come to love about yourself and your future and where you're going to go in life and everything, everything you love, you were never supposed to be, so that that's pretty intense too it's not just the idea that he could have his father taken away from him or whatever. It's also the idea that you don't deserve this. You never deserve this. You never should have had this. So every, it's like everything he's ever, he's learned about himself and felt that he he has, has come to understand about his, his own life and his own future and who he is as a person is a lie. (laughs) And Oh, by the way, your Peter Parker might not have died if
2: you hadn't been there, gotten mm. and been there and gotten involved. And oh yeah. Also there's an entire universe out there that could have been better if it had its Spider-Man, but mm. it can't because of you, which mm. it wasn't because of him. He didn't like, yeah. it, it, he was just there. Like all this stuff was happening around him and swept him into it. Yeah. Although it does beg a very important question. If i hit either of you in the face with a bagel really hard. Would you become my nemesis?
0: (laughs) No. Possible. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What other points of this movie do we want to talk about?
2: You know, on that last point really quick, I just love how many multiverse movies there are now where bagels are super important to the (laughs) storyline. Watch everything everywhere all at once if you haven't.
0: I own it. I still haven't seen it. Mark Q. Mark's reaction. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's yes. a disappointment combined with nothing new. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose you can't really can't really deny that. We? <laughs> uh well, I suppose we should talk box office about this movie since this movie is doing quite well. Certainly compared to the original. Not that the original did poorly, but the original was a lot more and of course now that I'm saying that I just realized that my freaking browser had shut down at some point. So let me go grab these tabs again. This has a very unfortunate history of happening at the wrong time. Yeah, the
0: the the original I remember because I was like I called it. This is one of the biggest movies of the year, right?
1: Yeah, it was big for an animated movie. Yeah. This is this is this is big period. So let me let me bring this damn thing back up again.
2: Man, I can't wait for the for the day years down the line where Disney decides to do a live action remake of Spider Verse, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that'll probably work out so, oh so well. well speaking Find of well, speaking of live action, and speaking of community, actually, oh, the boy. fact that that Donald Glover is included in this, as... Yes! As a a alternate universe Prowler is so fucking cool. Not <laughs> just like that, yeah, the he MCU. Is, he's the MCU Prowler. Yeah,
2: yeah, he's reprising his role from uh, that first Tom Holland Spider Man movie.
0: Yes, but there's also for community fans. Um, when when Donald Glover was on was on Community, there was a uh, there was a campaign and obviously Donald Glover is older now, but uh, there was a campaign at the time that he should be the, the that he should be the live action miles. And it went so far that in one of the season premieres of community, uh, there's a kind of pan across sequence where they show each character getting out of bed at their respective homes to get ready to go to school that day at the community college. And Donald Glover gets out of bed in a Spider-Man onesie and stretches and you know, goes about <laughs> his day. So, like, nice. The, yeah, it's cool.
2: Spider-Man <laughs> Noir is on Gwen's team. Do you think they get Nicolas Cage back for the third one? Absolutely. Yeah, um, I, yeah would, I, would I, so. I would
0: say
1: that's a given. All right. So looking at the the, the interesting thing about this is the bu- the budgets are relatively the budgets were pretty comparable. In fact, it's across the Spider-Verse, supposedly cost only $10 million more than. Into the Spider-Verse, which, mind you, was that was heavily pushed as 3D too, so they probably got a little bit more business out of the 3D showings of that movie than probably this one did. But Into the Spider-Verse only opened up the 35.3 million dollars. Across the Spider-Verse opened up to 120.7.
2: Oh, a little different.
1: Yeah, just just a tad. And so far, even as we speak, the total domestic box office. For the total domestic box office period for into the spider verse was only 190.1 it's currently for across the spider verse already at 346 so there's that's a considerable difference and worldwide uh into the spider verse only made 3, 375.4 worldwide across has made 613.4
2: i so. wonder if that's a function of the first one being like a new thing that had to pick up steam versus the second one being a known quantity that could just hit the ground running.
1: I think it's that. And just the fact, simply put that people that the reaction to the first movie was so positive. I think that I think really at the end of the day, I think that's a large, I think it's a large aspect of it. I think you can't, I don't think you can underestimate that because I think this still surprised people how well, how well this movie did from a box office perspective. And it's in the nineties and the fan and the audience and the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. So this movie across the board is done very, very well. No one can. Uh, yeah,
0: As, as a movie, I, I, I don't disagree. It's a great movie and everything. I am a little surprised. It's that there isn't some sort of impact in this. Like it's, it's curious to me how something that ends with such an obvious cliffhanger doesn't have a side effect from being such an obvious cliffhanger because you were talking, Mark, earlier in the episode about people making some grumblings in the theater. I heard that in my showing, too. But people how, many, react- and how many people were in yours? Probably not many, right? No, it was actually it, we have to remember it was Fourth of July. So everybody's off. And it was
1: the morning. So I figured there couldn't be that many people.
0: No, it was it was there were a lot of people in there. Really? uh before for for a 10:15 a.m showing on a tuesday yes uh i i feel like there were definitely a lot more people than i was expecting in there um,
2: yeah, i went i went a few days ago i think it was sunday at noon and this is after it had already been out for several weeks and the, our theater was pretty much full too
0: yeah, I think, I think I need to like with, with some of this mass media stuff, like movies and television, I think I need to let like, go of some of my pre- preconceptions about this because I inherently thought that it doesn't matter how good the movie is. If it ends on such an obvious cliffhanger, people are going to be upset. Um, and it doesn't seem anyway like that's reflected in the box office and it doesn't seem like it's necessarily reflected in the reviews. So even that alone tells you a lot about i guess how good the movie itself is i would at the very least say
1: yeah i would say so uh i was uh, like i said i was just actually very i was surprised because you don't just in general you don't hear that kind of visceral reaction out of people that often Uh, i mean i mean unless it's something that's you know a movie that especially if it's a movie that you you could tell people are into if people just if it's like almost like stunned side like stunned silence because people are just surprised at how bad this movie is and then it's almost like a cathartic thing at the end when it's like wow that sucked and everybody then like everybody laughs and agree, and if, and everybody like kind of smiles because like you just said what we we're all thinking it i was, i was surprised considering that up until like seven months ago it was they were calling it part one so you knew it was not if you're calling something part one and part two you can almost expect it to end on a cliffhanger so The fact that that's one of the reasons why, yes, they probably should not have changed the name. But it did surprise me that despite that, despite as good as the movie was, that people were really, 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 they seemed to react to that. But I was overall, I was I was I was pleasantly surprised. It was this was not in my this was not really in my wheelhouse anyway. So the fact that it was uh, I enjoyed it as much as I did was was a plus.
2: Yeah, I mean, Chad, it was your most anticipated movie of the year. And for me, it was the sequel to the greatest superhero movie ever made. And I feel like we both walked away from it very happy.
0: Yeah, I I have nitpicks, like I said, but the nitpicks are, you know, minor compared to everything. And I think it was you, right? You tweeted something about Trilogy?
2: Oh, I I basically tweeted, like, right the day that I saw this... I tweeted something saying basically, you know, Spider-Verse is one movie away from being the best comic book movie trilogy ever made.
0: I agree uh, in that potential. Um, I have some deep thinking to do, uh, as deep as one could do in something as trivial as this. But like (laughs) I have some deep thinking to do if I truly believe uh, the first movie is my favorite superhero movie of all time it's definitely my favorite spider-man movie oh yes. i think i've said that before and um yeah i get i get some weird looks sometimes for saying it my brother-in-law in particular really hates it when i say that he's like are you are you serious or whatever and i just like I am not ashamed to say it anymore. Like that, that uh, it's my favorite Spider-Man movie, bar none. The first one. And look, um, mo- most Spider-Man
2: movies are good. This is just yeah. happens to be better than the, yeah. and, than those.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I agree with you. The potential it has, the, the potential it has for, for being a really, really solid trilogy is, uh, is far and above uh, anything I've seen in in recent years. Because a lot of a lot of things have fumbled the like, bag Like let's let's just take the MCU movies too. Let's look at uh, the Iron Man movies as a trilogy, Captain and trilogy Thor, Ant Man. Those ones like are every single one of those a solid entry? No. Not not
1: well, it's, it's poor competition because Cap just destroys all of those that you throw out there. <laughs> true, true, true. I mean, I mean Iron Man. There, there's there's one good Iron Man movie, and Ant Man. There are two good Ant Man movies and one really bad one. I'm
0: and also full, thinking of like the the um, Nolan Batman movies. I think the third oh, yeah. one obviously fumbled the ball. I mean, this uh, is
2: the thing, right? If you
0: should, if you
2: put in front of me like here's Here's the the Dark Knight trilogy, here's the MCU Captain America trilogy, here's I don't know, here's all the Chris Reeve Supermans or whatever, like and here's Spider-Verse. Like I'm going to push the others out of the way so I can get to Spider-Verse faster.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> like all oh, oh, these are good movies. They're not the best.
0: Yeah, I'm very I can tell when I'm excited about it. So There're lots of ways to tell. But one of them is like I can't wait to get my hands on the Blu-ray. Yes. Uh, and September is too far away. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I I really want this because, you know, I, you know, before I lost my previous job, I, I got my new couch, but I also got a 4K 50 plus inch TV. So, like, I'm really excited to see what this is going to look like on my TV because the first movie looks great i'll be right over (laughs) let's go man uh i'm i'm very excited by it it's gonna it's gonna be really fun to have to have uh on the screen and and same with me man i I rewatched that movie quite a few times um it's it's hard to walk out of the room when it's on but i'll also i have no problem doing it because the soundtrack the soundtrack is such a force and because you kind of know the visual cues at this point or the audio cues at this point of like you know, if you're doing dishes in the other room or something, and the movie's going, you're like, "Oh, hold on, let me go look at the scene real quick," <laughs> and then pop back over to doing your chores. So, like, uh, it's uh, it's such a great movie. I just, like I said, I wish the only thing I wish is that it was a little less intense. But again, that might have that might have been a, you know, an artistic choice. You know, uh, you're supposed to feel lost. You're supposed to feel overwhelmed because that's what Miles is feeling.
2: Yeah although they do manage to let to let kind of every few seconds like another individual random spider person kind of rise to the top and have their moment i want to specifically call out one because when i saw this character i'm like i was i thought it was really cool that they got included so right after miles starts getting chased and the he goes into the big hall where everybody points at each other because that meme can't die apparently he looks up and we see a character named Sun Spider. This is the the uh, spider person who is who uh, uses crutches and is in some kind of like high tech wheelchair kind of thing on the ceiling before jumping down and like and uh, attacking Miles. This is a fan created character that you know Marvel had a create a character fan contest and the winner would get featured in the latest. Because there have been multiple Spider-Verse comic events, and like the like I think the, the most recent one was the third one and and Sun Spider one and got featured in that multiverse crossover. And the character not only got to show up here, but got to be the focus of a scene for a few seconds and had spoken dialogue. So like I'm I'm just like imagining what it would have been like for the creator like the the fan that created that character to be in the theater watching that happen and that is just super cool.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I think it's uh I think it's a great movie. I think it, and like I said I can't wait for it to come out. All and, right. Uh, I'm going to
2: watch it so many
0: times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um I I'm wondering like this this I, cuz I do not do this. This may be one of those times I double buy because Voodoo has been doing this thing where they drop a movie really super early on the digital platform like I'm talking su- anywhere between like 2 to 4 weeks before the actual so- physical copy will hit stores the digital copy will be available for purchase on Voodoo, and it'll be like full price it'll like $24 or something for for to buy the digital copy into your library i may double dip I may be so anxious to see this movie again, I buy it when as soon as it's available digitally and then the minute it's available Blu-ray, I get, I go get that too. But it's 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 such it's such a hard thing for me to do even if I really like a movie because you're essentially spending $40 for a movie.
2: I think if you were able to wait a few extra weeks to see it in theaters, you could wait a few extra
0: weeks to see it on a uh,
2: home release.
0: Then <laughs> that's what I'm trying that's what I'm banking on, but now I've seen it before i hadn't seen it so
2: you tried right. dan
0: you tried yes yes anything else we want to talk
2: about i did mm. find out that this one this one detail about this movie that like had the potential to be cool but it was kind of nothing so there are quote unquote other versions out there in theaters where uh it's basically things like in in this version Miles says, huh? But in that version, Miles says, oh, sorry. Like, like little changes like that or like little like animation quirks that like show up here but not there. Nothing that matters whatsoever, which, you know, I saw an article talking about like, yes, there are different versions of Spider-Verse out in theaters. And immediately my mind goes to Clue, where they filmed three different endings to the movie and released them in different regions and honestly, anything less than that, don't fucking bother. <laughs> so I just wanted to throw that out there because some some people watch this movie and did not get the scene with Miguel almost going vampire on Vulture.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because it, I guess it was confirmed because I'm looking at an article about it now. It says after that Spider-Verse associate editor Andy Leviton confirmed. And he said, I was wondering when people were going to start noticing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Buddy, don't talk
0: about it like it's something significant. That's interesting. Yeah, no. I, I definitely like and I, I just want to close. I, I think I think, yeah, the, the, the third one has so much potential. And I think like as much as we were talking about there's there's something amiss with the canon events. I I know Mark, you're not really like necessarily defending him, but there's something up with Miguel. There's something wrong with him. Like he's either not he's not really miguel or he's not really spider-man or like the the idea that miguel is harping so hard on the idea that miles was never supposed to be a spider-man he's not a true spider-man or whatever they say that a bunch but then the reverse of it miles pointing out the fact that he has these claws and everything and the fact that he he has a line of dialogue is he literally says and it's Despite being in a very intense chasing, it it's a very loud, I guess like very recognizable line, and he says, "Are you sure you're a Spider-Man?" to to uh, to Miguel, and it's said like as a joke or whatever because of his claws, his powers, his intensity, and all this stuff. But like much like color means so many things, uh, it, it's it feels like a sequence of events, a line of dialogue that will mean more later. Maybe so the third movie will have some Moreland in it. Yeah, I think I think something is wrong with with Miguel. Um, more more so than him just being super intense about this whole thing. We'll know soon. Yeah, what's the release date for the third one? Uh, I, it'll, it'll, I'm sure it'll change several I times before we believe get it's March.
1: Yes, it is based with on what? New? Yeah, based wow. on a But they were talking after this movie came out, there was going to be such a long wait to the next one. So that makes me think that that date's not going to be right. I mean
2: Chad is ready to buy this DVD now, so (laughs) March is a long (laughs) way.
1: But it just seemed that's why when when you guys were talking about that before, it struck yeah, because it struck me as odd because I know I I didn't read I don't remember reading the articles, but I know people were talking about that the movie was it still says March 29th, 2024, everywhere, but it just seems odd that I don't know why people would be bitching then just because it ended on a cliffhanger or well, so what? <laughs> that's not even a year. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so I don't, that's not, that's not a wait.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if that gets pitched back because I think is March is a good month to release a movie, but isn't summer better. It doesn't matter anymore.
1: Actually, now I'm reading this article. Let's see uh, from screen Rant, spider verse three is not officially delayed yet. Despite TikTok's fake announcement. Hmm. So, but I guess there must, there probably is some smoke there um but i guess but i suppose someone that's gonna have to that might have have to do with the writers the uh the actor strike if that ends up happening
2: because yeah, it depends on how much work there still is to do and what that work given is because like i there's let if there's nine months between now and the movie releasing then like all for all the writing is long since done And most of the work that has to be finished is most likely the the visuals.
1: But according to this article, Haley Steinfeld said she confirmed she hadn't recorded any lines yet for the sequel.
2: She's Gwen, right?
1: Yes. So if that happens to be the case and there's other actors who haven't done any of the voiceovers (laughs) yet and and there ends up being a screen actors guild strike, then. Yeah, that could actually that obviously could potentially throw things back into chaos. Uh, So but we'll see. I mean, you're right, because it's animated it gives them more slack because it's not like they have to be physically there to do the animation. Yeah. So it's you can you could wait to record the dialogue. You could. So,
2: well, we'll see. It'll be here soon enough anyway. You betcha.
0: All right, Dan, if people want to reach you, how do they do that? Uh, Mosaic
2: Comics on YouTube is my comic book analytical essay YouTube channel where I focus mostly on Green Lantern. Although now I have this weird urge to talk about esoteric spider people. I don't know.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wouldn't it be weird if like my challenges became like a hardcore Spider-Man co- channel overnight? That oh weird. Hope that doesn't <laughs> happen. Um, but you know if if you go there right now, there's years of green lantern goodness as i just work through my feelings on my favorite thing and i'm actually by the time this goes up i will probably have posted my 100th video Yay. Yay. <laughs> so you know go on over to mosaic comics and and uh join me as i talk all about Amalgam Comics, Iron Lantern, and even a little bit of the uh, Human Lantern from World War II in the Golden Age over in uh, Super Soldier Man of War, I believe the comic is titled. But um, yeah, no, it's it's a great time. I have fun doing it. People seem to like it when they give it a
0: try. So hopefully you
2: will if you haven't already. That's Mosaic Comics on YouTube.
0: And that may be an upcoming episode, but you did post a new episode just five days ago.
2: Right? Oh God, yeah, it's a circle of fire. Hey everybody, remember circle of fire? <laughs> yeah, the the circle is complete, as they say. <laughs> What's what started with Chad and Mark all back in humble beginnings with Chad and Mark, and then extended over to Donnie and Adam on the Multiverse Musings vidcast with Emerald Echo, and then and then the the podcast of Oa with Myron and Phil, and and then it came to me to just to carry the football across the football goal. Is this how how sports works? I don't know how sports works. I I got the puck in the net, and we talked about Impulse for a while, but it was still good. And uh, if anybody listening to this only heard you guys talk about Circle of Fire, just cannot recommend enough. Give some time to the other shows that participated in the event. Everybody like the this is a collection of people who love green lantern more than most things and just deserve the time and the opportunity to show you why they should be want, in your feed on a regular basis No. iron lantern but no speed demon well i would also have to to do doctor uh, doctor uh, uh, strange fate because that has the Kyle Rayner, Frankie Ray
1: yeah that is true there. it that I almost I almost forget about that but I just remember the ones that deal with that had the Hal Guardian ties in and Speed Demon is the other one besides Iron Lantern. That yeah. would be that'll be that'll be cool to listen to. I I have fond memories of those amount amal- of those amalgam books because I know somewhere to, somewhere I have Speed Demon and and uh Iron Lantern.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is not the first time Mark has mentioned the words speed demon to us. <laughs> no, <laughs> just, it is anytime we've ever brought up uh, uh, Iron Lantern, it's almost always a a, re- a reference to speed demon from Mark.
1: Yeah, because it gets all,
0: wants to talk about it. Yeah, because even though it's not
1: it's not as blatant an amalgam as as Tony Stark and Hal Jordan being jammed together pretty much, and that's a that's a painful image in Iron in Iron Lantern, but you do have ties to the Guardians and Hal and Hal Jordan right in the beginning of Speed Demon. So the,
2: the well they most, trick you because some some amalgam characters are three characters instead of two, but they look like two. Like Doctor Strange fate is three characters. Speed Demon. I thought, oh, it's Ghost Rider, and I, I guess the Flash. I don't know. I don't need this. And then I didn't find out until the first time you mentioned it, like a year ago or something. That oh yeah, by the way, Hal Jordan is in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a.
1: For what it's worth, that was a cool experiment. Uh, it would be nice that somehow they would have they would revisit that. Uh, that was yes. that, that was fun.
2: Well, there is an interesting detail that I learned and put into the end of my video on Iron Lantern, which, you know, if you're somebody who is interested in the poten- potential future of the amalgam universe, you might want to go over to Mosaic Comics and uh, get a <laughs> little watch, because there's it was a legitimate surprise that I do not know for the life of me how it could work, but the door is open.
0: Did you just do a plug with an Yeah, nicely yes.
2: played. Nicely played. It's I, pro- two I, plugs. Prefer to think, I prefer to think of it as a multiverse of plugs. Not oh. <laughs> just one plug. Plug-verse. He plugged he plugged twice. Stop talking about your holes.
1: Yeah. Keep <laughs> plugging on. away, Dan.
2: That's not this movie, Chad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was a hilarious line, but we didn't talk at all about the spot. No, we didn't what? T- Oh he- Jesus. We can't, and we don't have time to, but no, he, was we don't, over, we don't. he was over, he was overshadowed by Miles Morales, even though, yes, in theory, I mean, by Miguel, but the reality is, uh, the spot really is, it, it was, a, it's such a weird character to try to make these, this, the pseudo bad guy of the whole thing, but it worked so well. It, it did, did work. They made, they, they, they made it work in its own weird way, but it's still, it's,
2: yeah, it, it is, it is odd. I will have <laughs> you know, I mentioned the bagel.
1: You did mention the bagel. That's true.
2: All
0: right, Mark. If people want to reach out to us, how do they do so?
1: Lanterncast.com. The email is lanterncast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook, hashtag geocast. Track us down there. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or text, 708 Lantern. And also, our YouTube channel is Lantern Cast vids. We haven't done much lately, but we—it goes through waves. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, quick, quick note if I may. Um, I posted a new episode of Creative Credit not too long ago. Just uh, as a matter of fact, this past weekend on Sunday night, and um, I went to the Greater Austin Comic Con uh in uh, Cedar Park uh, a couple weekends ago and interviewed a bunch of smaller creators. Um, just self published people, but I also, uh, got to a chance to speak with Val Mayerick, who mostly well known for being an artist on Man Thing in the seventies. He's the co creator of Howard the Duck. Uh, and, uh, that the end of that most recent creative credit episode, um, episode 10 is, uh, a 30 minute conversation with him. So go there to learn about some, Good uh self published uh creators you may not have ever heard of otherwise, who have some great works out there, and uh stick around for the end of the episode to listen to a good conversation with a uh a, a creative titan like Val Merrick. That sounds very cool. It, it was very cool. So thank you guys for listening, and I guess we'll talk to you later.
1: Good night, everybody.
0: Woohoo.